Welcome to Awesome Movie Year, the podcast where we take a look back at an awesome year for movies, which is every year. My name is Josh Bell, film critic and writer, and I am joined by my co-host. I'm Jason Harris, filmmaker, comedian. And ladies and gentlemen, here we go. It's time for us to start the show. Josh Bell, you better bring it hard in this podcast or else I'm going to whip your cracker cracker ass. Jason, <laughs> certainly not offending anyone with that uh, version. It's a loving, it's, wait a second. Are you saying I can't, I can only do impressions of people uh, of certain ilks? I'm, this is a loving references to this. I'm not people. saying you can't do it. I am not saying that at all. I, I think you are definitely in the right spirit paying tribute there to the man that we're about to talk about. Close the window and open the door. It's time to talk about Rudy Raymore. <laughs> Beautiful, yes. <laughs> Rudy Raymore, the star creator of Dolomite. We are talking about the films of 1975 in this season of Awesome Movie Year. And uh, Jason's enthusiasm aside, this episode is the pick from our producer, David Rosen, who has chosen Dolomite. So, uh, Dave, do you want to do you want to say a bit about what uh, led you to pick that? I don't know. I was hoping Jason would call Josh a rat soup eating motherfucker, but uh... <laughs> a rat soup eating honky motherfucker. Yeah. It's, it's probably it was written down at some yeah, point. Awesome. But, yeah, awesome, awesome. Yeah, no, I I just thought that this you know looking over the uh, movies for this year, this just seemed like it would be such a fun one to get into and to get into you know a different little size genre that we might not have otherwise made our way to. Yeah, I mean, in 1975, black exploitation is a major movement going on. And we did, I think, even talk about possibly having this as our audience choice category because there were quite a few other black exploitation movies this year. But Dolomite looms so large over all those others that we figured that there was no way anything else would make it. And so, uh, you know, here we are at Dolomite. And as you know, many rappers call Rudy Ray Moore the godfather of rap music for those rhymes and dozens that he did. Yes, Jason himself also the godfather of rap music. <laughs> and, I, and I'm the redheaded stepchild of rap music. Yeah, we have an actual rapper here on our show. Dave, was Rudy Ray Moore an influence on your, your rap career? Yeah, actually, uh, 100%. So I, I can definitely claim that. Yeah, see, uh, you know, there's there's the legacy of this film right right there from Dolomite to Jewish Dave. It's a clear <laughs> from line. Dolomite to Dave. What a book that no one will ever read. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and and Dolomite is, I mean, in addition to being a major film of the black exploitation genre, it's also one of these amazing indie film success stories. Rudy Ray Moore kind I don't know if we can say he created the character of Dolomite. He appropriated and expanded on the character of Dolomite from the kind of street poetry that he witnessed from people um, in the like record store where he worked. And he used this character, which is sort of this flamboyant pimp character with this rhyming dialogue, as Jason is imitating there, as part of his stand-up comedy act, as a character that became popular on the records that he released of his comedy shows. And then he poured a lot of the profits from those records into making this film for about $100,000, according to Wikipedia, which you never know. And things, movies at this level, it's always questionable what actually was the budget. 
And it ended up grossing, again, in not entirely certain, but according to some sources, up to $12 million at the box office, basically based on just word of mouth success. So an, an amazing success story for this film. Yeah, he was spoiling the movie all over the place. And I mean, the album, too, like, you know, I rewatched Dolomite is my name with Eddie Murphy. Great movie. Highly recommended. It's on Netflix. Uh, Craig Brewer movie. And, um, you know, it's, you know, obviously the story is no one will bet on this guy, but he'll keep betting on himself and he keeps proving people wrong. Right. I mean, that was a, obviously a smart move for him at the time and risky, of course, but he realized that there was an audience for this character, not only in those nightclubs where he performed, but in record stores and in movie theaters and made this movie into a massive hit and made himself into a big star, at least for a few years after this. I mean, we all knew him, knew of him growing up. We didn't know him personally, but, you know, he was always in like Snoop Dogg videos. And, you know, they, there were so many uh uh, other movies, I think they made seven more movies, whether they were Dolomite sequels or or some type of Dolomite adjacent films because of this. Yeah, he he certainly created this character and this persona that became a major part of pop culture and especially hip hop culture, as you were saying. Um, but as depicted in Dolomite is my name, um, this was not exactly a movie that was well received by critics at the time it was released. And uh, I have to say, um, you know, this 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 press coverage was not the easiest to find. So shout out to uh, Larry Karaszewski, co-writer of Dolomite Is My Name, who at the time that that movie was released, posted scans of these reviews from nice. from the time period. And that was where I was able to grab these from. So uh, otherwise, you know, kind of lost in the archives. But interesting to me that it's not surprising that the sort of white establishment critics did not enjoy this film, but it wasn't just them. It was it was sort of the underground black press as well that was put off or offended by this film. I don't I, this. Is, I mean, I knew Whitey was going to have a problem and not get it, but this is going in a whole different direction already. Josh. Yeah, it's I mean, and and these are again, these are what the ones they highlighted uh, in that movie as as the sort of major negative reactions. And if there were more positive reviews at the time, I was not able to find them. But um, I think less likely than as opposed to later. So uh, starting starting with the the white establishment press, Linda Gross. The Josh Bell of the day. <laughs> exactly. That's me. I'm the white establishment. So Linda Gross in the Los Angeles Times said, Dolomite is dreadful. It is a humorless, styleless and technically terrible movie which in the guise of black exploitation corrupt white establishment versus anti-system hero ghetto wars and street language debases human beings and spews hatred before rudy ray moore restores order in the ghetto and literally rips the guts out of his enemy the film provides the requisite killings and maimings of white police officers who are on the take and sniffing coke gratuitous sex scenes, and the additional indignity of a repulsive, crooked white mayor simultaneously raping and choking to death one of Moore's girlfriends. The film is shoddily made. Besides its obvious racism, Jerry Jones's script lacks cohesion, logic, and authenticity. Derville Martin directs without vigor or authority, 
and the actors walk through their parts without conviction or ability. I mean, let's let's just say for argument's sake, oh, she's right on most of these things, right? Uh-huh. Uh, she, she's definitely not right on it's humorless. You know, whether you laughed or not, you can't say that there's not humor in this movie. Right. No, I totally agree. I mean, it's definitely has a sense of humor if not a self-aware sense of humor about itself. I mean, it has jokes, certainly. I mean, Rudy Ray Moore is a comedian. That's what he's doing here. And he does the dozens. He does, you know, some of those rhymes in the movie. Right. Uh, so I I just think like, uh, look, you know, spoiler alert for those of you who just sit around waiting for me and Josh to rate movies, which is a weird thing. Imagine <laughs> if that's why people listen. But Josh, you and I didn't l- l- like this movie that much, but like, I don't agree with a lot of those assessments. Yes, there's a lot of crazy technical mishaps, but there's also that in the room, which is a really fun movie, you know? So um, I just think that she just went a little too far, you know, Whitey sticking it, sticking it to uh, the independent artist here. Yeah, I mean, I'm 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 with her on the the poor quality of the filmmaking, and I mean, un, when you know, we'll talk about this more, I'm sure. But you know, unlike you, and especially like Dave, I mean, I don't I don't enjoy watching stuff like The Room. I I don't really get a lot of enjoyment out of amusingly bad movies, and I do think this fits in with that. I think this is a very poorly made film that it technically it it is bad. And the performances are almost all bad, including Rudy Ray Moore. Um, so, I mean, I, I don't disagree with her on that. I, I think the idea here, though, that that also she's she's accusing this movie of racism, the idea that it is somehow, like you know, racist against white people, I think is to really miss the point of not only this film, but basically the entire black exploitation genre <laughs> that it is, you know, people from this oppressed group who are fighting against the racism directed at them and depicting, you know, in a, yeah, sure, maybe a slightly exaggerated fashion, the very real oppression that exists. Well, she wasn't, and Dolomite wasn't just fighting against the the white uh, political leaders, right? Willie Green, his main arch nemesis, was another black man in the same field of work as him you know he wanted to own the nightclub run the town run them hoes josh you know it's all those things so i mean it's just weird it's, it just seems yeah it was a very karen review right there josh. it really is yeah. it really is and that that sort of like over overly sensitive response to any depiction that maybe white people themselves are racist you know calling calling the depiction of white racism, racist against white people, I think, you know. Yeah, and like you said, these are heightened portrayals, right? Sure. Like, to assume that the mayor, who's clearly like, I'm evil mayor, I'm going to get you black people, right, is like a representation of like all white people or what most mayors are like is just totally out of context. So. Yeah, so I think she's definitely missing the point on that. So Variety in their unbylined or nicknamed review, which I could not figure out who exactly is the the critic here, but they said, Dolomite, an independently made black action picture picked up by Dimension Pictures, is of the type that uses up its potential in the first week. Sitting through the badly made effort is sufficient reason why. About the only touch of originality this one offers is the introduction of the fat man as romantic hero. 
it may also be the first to make use of massage parlors as a front for crime. The promise of something new in sending hookers to karate school never really pans out as the gals fail to perform to any impressive degree. Also, all technical aspects are only fair, with the apparently live sound being especially bad. Oh, uh, yeah. The karate school uh, for hookers is just genius. Whether, you know, like, uh, who doesn't love that idea? And one of my favorite parts in the movie is like uh, towards the end of Act Two, where they're getting ready for the big showdowns. And he gives like the coach motivational speech at the karate school. <laughs> so I'm like, listen up, hoes. We're going to, you know, it's it's about to go down. Right. You know. Yeah. I mean, look, there's you know, there's a cut of this before it was. um restored by vinegar syndrome where all the ratios are wrong and you could see like the boom mic in every shot and uh which again kind of fun but um yeah look technically it's not the greatest movie uh i don't agree that uh didn't have aspects of originality but um yeah that's that's where we're at with that i'd say right i mean i think you can i again i think this is a, a terrible movie but i think you can still appreciate the originality in the sense that the character that Rudy Ray Moore is playing is not one that has really been seen on screen in this way. And I don't think it's necessary to take a dig at his weight or whatever there. That seems excessive. Right. Uh, you know, 50 years ago, fat guys can't have sex, right? Apparently you know, not. With these hoes. So as I was saying, it wasn't just these out of touch white people who didn't like this movie. Uh, Earl Calloway in the Chicago Defender, which was a newspaper in Chicago specifically by and for the black community, also hated this. He said, here is a film that has been created, written, directed and produced by blacks, and the content is not complimentary to the black experience. Dolomite is ultimate trash. Dolomite, regardless of its tremendous success at the box office, is not fit for a blind dog to see. Its vulgar coarse language is horrible, and the action is often degrading and shows little regard for morality. In addition to its bombarding vulgarity, the actors and actresses perform as inexperienced amateurs. The dramatic action has little thematic material and the human elements are low-key. It is impossible to understand how so many of our black brothers can permit their minds to feast upon such trash. Yeah, I mean, it's... I don't know how much you and I can speak on that, right? Because <laughs> right. it's like, you know, um, if you were going to make a movie, Josh, right? You know, like I love these like grindhouse action movies, right? And say I had like a white lead in there, you know, who ran a strip club or something. I would never have to worry about like, oh, I have to represent all white people with this one character. So it just comes from a different standpoint. And um uh, I think it's um, I understand, you know, the historical context of it, but it's unfair to say, like, this guy can't just make a movie that where he wants to have fun and wants to go with his friends and just laugh and eat popcorn and have a good time. Right. I mean, I think this also, though, goes to something that I believe we talked about, maybe related to to cruising or to basic instinct, where the gay community in, at the time was outraged by those movies because they felt like it was this negative depiction of their community. And part of the reason that was a, more of a, a concern then is because there were so few depictions of gay people on screen. And I think that is similar here is that even if it's not to the level that 
you know, maybe it ought to be now. There's so much more representation of black people in the black community on screen now than there was then that not every single time that a black person makes a movie or stars in a movie, are they necessarily burdened with the idea, like you're saying, that they have to properly, quote, represent the community. And here maybe people are more looking to like this movie was made and became a big success by and for black people. And they're putting all of these extra expectations on it. I guess I wonder, you know, I get the comparison, but this is right in the middle of the black exploitation genre. It's not like the first we've had, obviously, Sweet Sweetback's Badass Song, Shaft, Superfly, some of the major Blackula, some of the major black exploitation movies at this point. So I wonder why they couldn't just say like, okay, he's he's coming up with a different play, you know, in the same game. Right. That's true. I mean, I think even with the success of those movies, it's still a fairly small number. But you're right that there was this explosion at the time of popular movies for the black audience and that were becoming very successful. So that I mean, and that's part of the reason why Rudy Ray Moore was able to make this movie and reach an audience with it. So maybe they are putting too many expectations on it. But I did think it was interesting to show, you know, that that wide range of response. And again, the idea that it wasn't just these these kind of snooty white critics who felt like this movie um, was not very good. Right. Uh, I would say it's important to get all perspectives. Right. I agree. Right. Um, but I've seen, you know, that Earl Calloway, I don't know which parts of it, but I, I know some of those lines I think are read in Dolomite is my name and Rudy Ray Moore later I saw some interview with him from from like 2002 or something where he said oh Earl Calloway saying that this movie was trash was like a great thing you know and and the audience that wanted to see this movie wasn't probably reading Variety or the LA Times necessarily but they would have been reading the Chicago Defender and it got people to come out and see the movie in Chicago well, that's good. I mean, you know, you mentioned how it was a dimension, right? Was yeah. that it? The film company, they passed, you know, and this is all in um, in Dolomite is my name. You know, they passed on it multiple times and then they saw how well it did when Rudy Ray Moore four-walled it. And then that's when they went back and, uh, you know, kind of made him an offer and w- they were able to get it out wide. Right. So, um, Jason, had you seen this one before? No, I had never seen Dolomite. I had seen Dolomite is my name and of course other black exploitation films, but this is a good one to cross off the list for me. Yeah, I had seen it, but just a couple years ago, I believe I watched it right before seeing Dolomite is my name just to kind of get the background there. And I've seen a handful of other black exploitation movies, not a ton, but you know, a few. And so this was a, a revisit for me and uh, yeah, I I can't say that I enjoyed the experience of it but uh dave as a fan of this when did you first encounter it i'm sure i had seen this as well as a bunch of these movies back in high school i i know i like got my hands on whichever ones i could at the time uh but i don't remember exactly when it was or how long ago or even if i had seen it multiple times i just remember watching a bunch of black exploitation but then i rewatched it like you said right before uh dolomite is my name which by the way, for the listeners, Josh was the guest on my Piecing It Together episode of Dolomite Is My Name. And uh, so, yeah, I had white ass whiteies. White ass whiteies. Mm-hmm. That's, so. that's, that's the, the new title of the podcast. <laughs> yeah. So that was the last time I had seen it. 
But Dave, you did a real deep dive this week oh, into yeah. Rudy Ray Moore, didn't you? Oh my God, it was so much fun. I will say, I mean, th- this could maybe be a little more in the legacy later, but his movies get progressively more insane and more fun <laughs> as they go. That, that's good. What was your favorite? Uh, Disco Godfather. Just absolutely nuts. That's exciting. Dave, do you, uh, has Wax Tracks stocked uh, Rudy Ray Moore records? Have oh, you hell yeah. Have you listened to those? Yep, absolutely. He has the uncensored covers, penises and all that stuff. And like, yeah, like he's got all of that stuff. Yeah. You guys want to see a uh, black penis? <laughs> Listen to some crazy records? Come on down to the Pink House on Decatur Boulevard. Rick's Racks Racks Rack Records. <laughs> Wow. We got Rudy Ray Moore and Rich Rosen impressions in this episode. What else could you ask for? I mean, really, all the, you know, we're going for all the all the marbles on this. Indeed. Oh, yeah. uh, do you want to say anything else about the background of this film, Jason? Whether you're here to fuck or whether you're here to fight, we'll be right back to talk about our main man, Dolomites. <laughs> Welcome back to Awesome Movie Year. In this episode of our season on the films of 1975, we're talking about our producer Dave's pick, Dolomite. So, Dave, you know, you said a little bit about this, but do you want to start off more on, uh, you know, what's your favorite thing about this movie? I mean, Rudy Ray Moore is just so much fun to watch. Like, you, you brought up The Room already, and I think that comparison can be made for a bunch of white guys like us. But, like, <laughs> you know, like, it is that just... Just this guy who is just so sure of himself that he can make this movie, even though he's so ill-equipped to do so. And like, is he good in the movie? No, not at all. But like, he's just so much fun to watch. And all these insane situations he puts himself in, it's, it's so ridiculous. And he's surrounded by a whole bunch of other like really fun characters to watch too, which it just makes for just a really ridiculous time. And I, I would so love to see this with a crowd one day. I think that would be the most fun way to watch it also. It is not a great movie. And uh, as I said on my letterbox, Josh, go for Jason. Not Josh, go for Jason. Just go for Jason. I thought Rudy Ray Moore had enough charisma and there was enough fun to last through the first hour. But that last half hour just careens off a cliff so far. And you're like, I'm not even sure what is like, if this is making sense or where this character is coming from. And it just... It just loses all the momentum for me in Act 3. Oh, yeah, it definitely doesn't make sense. I mean, none of it makes sense. What is Dolomite's mission, even? Like, I never understood what he was trying to accomplish at any point. He's trying to get his nightclub back from that evil 'er ne'er-do-well Willie Green. Yeah, And then he's, you know, the cops are setting him up. He's trying to get rid of the the cops. And, uh, you know, he gets out of jail to help. Uh, clean up the streets, I think. Quinn right. B helps him do that. I mean, right? That was my big question, right? The movie begins, Dolomite's in prison. He's he's for something he didn't do, even though Dolomite is a criminal who kills many people in this film. He's in- I love that he kills people immediately after getting out of jail. <laughs> yeah, that's like the first thing he does. But he is in jail for something that he was set up for that he did not really do. And the warden is like, hey, Dolomite, we're going to let you out so that you can be sort of like an undercover agent almost and help us what? Right. And also the, why is the warden? And I know they make this point in like Dolomite is my name. The the warden's not really like running 
uh, a police force or anything like so who is he reporting to on these matters? Right. I mean, they say there's like a one FBI agent, right, who will know who he is, which I, I believe is that meant to be Jerry Jones's character, who is the like black FBI agent, I think. Right. Like, and then we don't. Well, we don't find out that he's an FBI agent until like the last 10 minutes, right? Where it's or the last half uh, uh, half hour. And it's like, huh, what? So you're just walking around or what's happening? And, here? Yeah, and he doesn't even show up, I think, in the earlier part of the film, because we focus on the white cops who are not. Are they also FBI agents or are they just like local cops? I feel like they're local cops, but they're just trying to set him up on that grind, Josh. Right. Yeah, they definitely want to set him up. They're very, uh, very focused on that. but. Right. The plot makes no sense. And and I no. think that it's OK, I suppose, <laughs> you know, for a movie like this, you're not necessarily looking at the plot to make sense. But I mean, I do think there, on the other hand, is like enough plot that it should make a little more sense. You know, if it was just a complete like series of vignettes without a plot, I would it would be less of a problem that it didn't make sense. I mean, what troubles me more is. um all these people who are paying money to go to this karate school are not really getting their money's worth. The karate is so terrible in this film. You know, uh, I just I just worry about anyone's ability to get their money's worth at the the karate school for hoes. Right. Yeah, there is. I mean, the fight scenes in this are you can see how the kicks and the punches are barely even near the people that they're meant to be hitting and things like that. I'm happy to report that the uh, fight choreography budget must have gone up in the uh, future Rudy Ray Moore films. Oh, uh, that's good. But yeah. but Rudy Ray Moore himself is not even if the choreography is good, like he's very kind of lumbering, uh -huh. <laughs> slow moving. He doesn't <laughs> believably at all seem like a guy who can win a fight with anyone, really. No. Again, that's also something that could be that is fun the first time you see it. And then I think. It's diminishing returns as it goes on. Yeah. I mean, even the first time, I, I just think like it's I mean, I guess having seen other black exploitation movies, which, you know, a lot of these, they're independent films. They're maybe rough in some way. They're relatively low budget, but they're coherent for the most part. I think I just when I watched this for the first time, I thought, oh, here's another black exploitation movie that'll be similar to those other ones that I've seen. And it's just so so much closer to something like The Room than it is to something like Shaft that I think that kind of took me aback when I was watching it the first time. Yeah. To reiterate, I think that is one of the reasons it drew such a large audience is because, you know, they definitely, as we had mentioned, uh, you know, there's a lot of humor there and it's just uh, a different way of approaching a genre that is often uh, it's it's drama and it's action as opposed to comedy and action. Right. Yeah. I mean, and I think one of the things in a lot of these movies is that the anger, the 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 speaking out against the man, you know, that the, these movies often come from a place of people who have been silenced and they're finally finding a voice. And some of them, I mean, you watch Sweet Sweetback and that movie is just like you can feel the visceral rage of it. And that's not yeah. something that Rudy Ray Moore has or maybe he does have, but it doesn't come out in the movie. Well, I mean, and I'm look, I don't know if this is a good comparison or not, but you you know, Mel Brooks, right, in the 70s uh and 80s obviously, and even 60s Josh made a lot of classics and he always said, you know, as a Jewish person, the best way to get back at Hitler was to do it with humor to make fun of him, right? So maybe Rudy Ray Moore is taking that same tack and 
using humor to make his points as opposed to just, as you said, go viscerally right at it. Right. I mean, and and that's why I was saying it's it's not to discount the idea that he would have had those same experiences or felt that same level of of anger and dissatisfaction and whatever as as any other people who made these black exploitation films, but it's just approached in a different way. And I think it's not just that this is comedic that is the problem for me. That's not a problem. I think it's the the level of ineptitude on display here is just so staggering that it's hard to, it's hard to get in for me, at least it's hard to get into even the comedy of it. I mean, when you finally get toward the end of the movie and he gets on stage, Dolomite gets on stage and basically does a Rudy Ray Moore comedy routine. And it's like, oh, okay, well, here's what people liked. Here's what people knew him for that probably a lot of them were coming to see the movie for. It's just, it's come after like, 80 minutes or whatever of this awful crime drama that I couldn't care anymore. I'm going to disagree with you because I was laughing. I think at the beginning he gets out of jail and, you know, his ladies bring him his clothes and, you know, uh, he's changing, you know, bitch, you know, I don't wear cotton draws and everything <laughs> like that. And, you know, when he's shooting down the guys who are chasing him and, you know, he wants him to dance and all that stuff. I think that's all fun. I just think as it goes on and gets less and less coherent, it's the leeway you give it. I can understand tightens up. Yeah. And I mean, I but I, it's interesting that you're saying that because to me, that scene toward the end where he gets on stage and he does the signifying monkey routine is I, I don't personally like find it funny or whatever, but I can see how this is the thing that appealed to people about him. Did you not feel that way? No, I get that. But I mean, I just don't think, you know, like, uh, again, right. Currently, there's a, a movie out with Bert Kreischer with the, the story, the machine, his famous joke. Right. right. But, you know, you couldn't just do that as I mean, it's been he's already done it as a special. Right. Rudy Ray Moore has already released this as an album. You had to build a whole movie and character and story around that. Right. Which which is where they fail. But um, but I mean, it almost seems like then at the end, they kind of are like, okay, let's just give up and give people what they want, which is this routine that they know from the records or whatever. And well, I don't think, I, I mean, I disagree. I think like that's part of the character. And so is, are these other elements where, you know, he's going to fight Willie Green. He's going to fight to get his club back. He's going to run them hoes, you know, whatever it is, Josh. Yeah. This also sort of reminded me of of Purple Rain, you know, that we've talked about, which I also didn't care for where it's really just a showcase for this performance. And the story feels very perfunctory, but yet they spend a bunch of time on it. And then at the end of the movie, they give up on the story and just show him performing. Well, I, I, that is the best part of that movie, of Purple Rain, that last half or hour where it's just a Prince concert. But I think, you know, again, I don't think it's giving up. I think they're yeah. building, building that, that character, character to I think that is, point. Is generous reading of anything that happens in this movie. <laughs> But by the way, uh, since you guys are talking about how that last portion of the film is just basically a stand-up performance, in the sequel, the direct sequel, The Human Tornado, uh, it starts with the Rudy Ray Moore stand-up performance for like 30 minutes before we get to any kind of a movie. So, Is it a different stand-up performance? Yeah, it's like, you know, the same rhyming thing, but it's a different story that he's telling. And so. Josh, like, I mean, you know, this, this might have been, if I'm not mistaken, the first performance of that he did in a nightclub in this film but you know he does 
get approached by like six guys on the street and they're like, Hey, you're Dolomite, right? And he, you know, I'm not here to do my show. And he does go and, you know, does some of his routine there. So we've right, seen it before. Right. But I, I, I mean, I think that that is part of it too, where again, in that scene, they're like, how can we get the Dolomite routine into this movie? How can we give people what they know if they know Dolomite, if they know Rudy Ray Moore before they come into this movie as a guy who does these kinds of routines and not as like a kung fu fighting guy who, you know, beats up FBI agents or whatever, then how can we get that in there? And that scene, though, also is a victim of what their uh, variety is pointing out with the poor sound, because it's hard to hear him do that routine, which is literally like the only point of that scene is to hear him do the Dolomite routine. And it's very poorly miked. I mean, look, yes, Josh. There's there's a lot of technical problems. I agree with you. Yeah. Um, so do you want to talk about any of the other characters in this film? I mean, like you said, Jason, it's full of some interesting personalities, certainly. Did you have a favorite? Um, I like Willie Green. I think he's a, a fair rival. Yeah, I mean, I think Willie Green is, you can tell that Derville Martin, who is the director of this film and had been a somewhat successful character actor in Notable films and productions like Guess Who's Coming to Dinner, and that's why Rudy Ray Moore hires him to work on this film. And you can tell that he's trying to give a real performance as Willie Green, even though this character is completely, is just as ridiculous as every other character in the movie. And I don't know that I would say that he succeeds at that, but you can tell he's giving it his best. I did like about Willie Green that no one ever just calls him Willie. He's always Willie Green. Every time that anyone talks to him or mentions him, it's always Willie Green, Willie Green. Man, I will tell you, Wesley Snipes as Derville Martin and Dolomite is my name is so fantastic. He is just eating that movie up and doing it so well. It's great. Yeah, he is great in that. I, I mean, and of course, that's a movie where the actors in that movie are all so much better playing the actors in this movie than those people are as actors. Right. And we talked about that in the disaster artist versus the room. Also. Yes, yes, exactly. So Jason, I'm sort of surprised you didn't bring up the hamburger pimp as one of your favorites. That's who, that is what I was trying. I was, I had lost my point and I do like him. The guy who's uh, just outside uh, at the fat burger, right? Is that who you're talking yeah, about? Yeah. Yeah. He's ordering a cheeseburger and he tries to get fries, but they don't sell fries for some reason at this yeah. burger place. Yeah. They, from what I read, they couldn't find the right actor to do it. And they were just driving down the street and they saw the dude who played him. And they were like, yeah, that's the dude. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, and you can tell that because you, you get into that scene and you're like, did this guy just kind of walk on the set uh, by accident and they started filming him? Um, well, that's just, you know, that's the fun of like, hey, kids, let's put on a show. I do. That was the other character I did want. to. Yeah. And, and this is another hilarious, ridiculous scene because Dolomite comes up to him at the burger place and is trying to get some information from him about the guns that killed Dol Dolomite's nephew is killed, right? This is the motivation for him to get out of, he, who, he doesn't seem to really care. Uh, I don't think he's a pimp, by the way. I think he's just like a, is he just like a, a street hustler who likes uh, hamburgers? Well, right, no, but Dolomite calls him the hamburger pimp. I think that's oh. his sort of nickname for him or whatever. So yeah, you're right, Dolomite is a pimp. But the hamburger pimp is just a homeless guy who likes hamburgers, I think, and a drug addict. <laughs> um, but they go back to like this, this sort of squat where this guy lives and he shoots up and Dolomite is trying to get some info from him. And then the cops who've been after Dolomite like break in and kill 
this poor guy. And Dolomite just kind of stands there in the back, like behind the door and then just casually like leaves. And oh, he beats up the cops, doesn't does he? he? But still, he's like, he got this guy killed and he doesn't seem to care. Oh, he's got other things he's got to worry about. And, you know, yeah, he was in a room, so I don't think he's homeless there. Josh, well, I mean, but, he's you know. not he's not renting an apartment. He's squatting in some abandoned building. <laughs> Josh, I wanted to make a point about kind of one of the themes we're talking about what Rudy Ray Moore is doing, what he's saying and the character of Dolomite. He said, I wasn't saying dirty words just to say them. It was a form of art sketches in which I developed ghetto characters who cursed. I don't want to be referred to as a dirty old man, rather a ghetto expressionist. Yeah, I mean, clearly this is a representation of whether it's the way people talk or the the way that Rudy Ray Moore feels like people, these kinds of people express themselves. Like, it's obviously a decision. I mean, we were joking about the rat soup eating motherfucker line or whatever, but, you know, that's obviously something that he came up with and wanted to say, you know, it's not just sort of random. Yeah, I mean, you know, we could talk about how the story is well-defined, but the character is well-defined. I mean, I don't know if the character is well-defined as like a person. You don't really know about anything about Dolomite as a human being. He's well-defined as a sort of comedic persona, I guess. But I mean, you can't exactly talk about character development here. Like just is Dolomite his first name? Is it his last name? Is it a nickname? I mean, it doesn't matter, right? But But that just shows you that like these aren't, these aren't really human characters. I mean, again, you know, he could just Madonna's just one name. Why can't Dolomite be Josh? Right. Well, but it's like, I mean, it's a given name that she actually yeah. has. It can be. And I realize it's not like the most important thing, but I'm just saying that, like, you know, these are archetypes more than they're meant to be people. And that's fine. You know, that's obviously what Rudy Ray Moore is trying to do is especially because Dolomite as a character coming from this street poetry is almost like a, a mythological figure rather than a person. Right. Dave, do you have anything else you want to add? Oh boy. You guys covered a lot of it. Uh, Lady Reed is great. She's just as bad as Dolomite. Um, <laughs> she's just as much fun to watch. In, in Dolomite is my name. You know, they make a, a they make a, I think a good point in that, you know, Rudy Ray more respected her as a talent and that she, you know, there's a scene where she thanks him for putting her on screen because she doesn't see people who look like her on screen because she's a bigger woman, a bigger black woman. And I, I thought like, you know, his intentions were were all there, Josh. Yeah, I mean, they could have showcased her more even. She kind of, she's important at the beginning of the movie. She's the one who kind of gets him out of prison. and Because she's friends with the governor. Right, of yes. course she is. The governor or the warden? Or is she friends with the governor too? Yeah, I thought it was she was friends with the governor and that's why the warden released. OK, him. yeah, maybe you're right about that. But she also kind of reacclimates him when he gets out of prison and gives him some updates about what the, the, the hookers have been doing, including going to karate school. But then she kind of fades into the background a bit, it seems like. And, you know, I Dave, you saw all these other Rudy Ray Moore movies, but I kind of wonder if based on the success of this, why wasn't Queen Bee given her own movie? Why didn't Lady Reed get to star in a movie? Yeah, that's a really good question. And uh, it seems like something that should have happened and they could have easily gone in that direction. But no, that, that just that just didn't happen. But Josh, I was going to say one other thing, because uh, I know you didn't like the movie at all. But did you at least like some of the music? The music was good. Yeah, I do like the music. Right. I mean, that's obviously a big element of all these exploitation movies. And 
the music is definitely enjoyable. And I, right. I don't, like I said, I don't particularly enjoy Rudy Ray Moore's style of performance as a standup, but the music that's that's underlying it or just the score throughout the film, yeah, that's that's very good. And it's all, all basically always the case in black exploitation yeah. films. I feel like Josh, we should rate this thing out of five karate schools for hoes. All right. That's it's like a whole chain of karate schools for hoes. I don't know if that's gonna <laughs> right. be a successful exactly. business model, but sure. Take it away. Well, I mean, if they don't learn, they hopefully learn better karate than they did in this. One film. would hope. Yeah. Uh, I gave it two and a half because I did enjoy the first hour so much. But like I said, it careened far and wide in that last half hour and uh, just went way downhill. Yeah, I, I give it one and a half. Like, I, I understand how people find this amusing and also that it has a, an important sort of place in in film culture. But man, am I not eager to ever watch it. like any other Rudy Ray Moore movies or I don't I'm not happy that I watched this movie twice. I, I can't say that I enjoyed myself. So, Dave, uh, I'm going three and a half. I know it probably seems like this would be another the room style five star rating from me. But, uh, you know, it, it's it's not great. And uh, the other ones are better as far as I'm concerned. All right. Well, we'll we'll talk about that then. Or what's what's self-restraint from Dave? <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> Jason, did you have a rhyme to take us into the next segment? Uh, okay, let's figure one no, out. I, so. I, you don't have to. Here we to. are, Dave, Josh, and me. We'll be back in a minute as we get to Dolomite Act 3. All right. <laughs> Welcome back to Awesome Movie Year. In this episode of our season on the films of 1975, we're talking about our producer, David Rosen's pick, Dolomite. And we've talked some about the legacy here, but I feel like, Dave, you should start this off because, as we said, you had this whole like Rudy Ray Moore marathon and he in a in a period of the next like four years or so made a bunch of other independent films where he was the main star. And tell us about your enjoyment of those films. So, yeah, I mean, I don't think, uh, you know, if you didn't like this movie that you're going to like the other ones, but I think Jason might like some of what came after because it does get weirder. It's kind of like, you know, when an SNL bit like takes things to the extreme where it can't get any stranger and then they just push it even further than that. That's kind of where things go. The human tornado is kind of more of the same, but then once we get to Petey Wheatstraw, it is just right away going off the deep end. That movie starts with the character that Rudy Ray Moore plays, who is named Petey Wheatstraw, and that one says it's not a direct sequel being born as a like a full-grown 10-year-old coming out of his mom and then starts attacking everyone in the room and uh it it just goes like from there it just gets totally more ridiculous disco godfather though is about uh angel dust taking over the community and um there are lots of like freak out like psychedelic sequences and demons and oh my god it just it goes all over the place it said uh, you do make it sound fun. I think I'll have to check that out. Nice. Um, and so following that period, and I think Disco Godfather was a was a failure at the box office. And Rudy Ray Moore kind of had this lull then. And but Jason, as you were referring to in the 90s, he became an icon really for so many of these rappers who probably had grown up watching Rudy Ray Moore movies. And suddenly he was making all these guest appearances on rap songs and in music videos and got to make kind of cameo appearances 
in little uh, in, in independent films, you know, whether that's like the murder was the case sort of like short film epic that Snoop Dogg made or he is in uh, Big Money Hustlers, the insane clown posse film <laughs> and is often appearing like as himself or as Dolomite. Right. But that did also then lead him to the, the opportunity to make more Dolomite movies. Um, there is an official sequel called either The Dolomite Explosion or The Return of Dolomite. And then another thing that sounded fascinatingly awful to me called Shaolin Dolomite, where they Ooh. took... Oh, that sounds amazing. Some, yeah, I want to see that one. Some old kung fu movies and decided that one of the characters was Dolomite and like dubbed Rudy Ray Moore over it. And I, you, you haven't seen this one, Dave? No, but that sounds right up my alley. It sounds like Kung Pao mixed with uh, Dolomite. That sounds yeah. amazing. Doesn't that also involve the Wu-Tang Clan? I don't know if that one does. I mean, they're all into okay. Kung Fu movies, but that may not be. Yeah. And, and Dolomite. Yeah. So, Dave, yeah. have you seen the, the later Dolomite Returns? No, uh, that I wanted to watch before this. I don't know if it's on streaming. I'm not sure. But I did read that it's like, even as a fan of the Dolomite movies, it's pretty bad because, you know, he's just older. And I, from what I read, he's like sitting through most of it, and, which is understandable. Like but, you know, modern day Steven Seagal movie. <laughs> yeah, basically. So I think we can all agree Dolomite has a much better style than, uh, than Steven than Seagal. Seagal. Yeah, Steven Seagal yeah. is about as adept at martial arts now as Rudy Ray Moore was in 1975, I think, unfortunately. <laughs> but I mean, it is nice that he had that renewed appreciation from fans and from the hip hop community as he got later in his life. He died in 2008, but really he became this kind of beloved pop culture figure in those later years. Right. I think that's cool. Uh, we talked about Dolomite is my name. There was a book just put out in 2022, the detailed biography. Thank you for letting me be myself. The authorized biography of Ruby Ray Moore, a.k.a. Dolomite by Mark Jason Murray. All right. Yeah, that's uh, that sounds like something. But I, I will say I enjoyed Dolomite is my name quite a bit and certainly way more than this film. Very entertaining with with Eddie Murphy as Rudy Ray Moore. What are, what are your some of your favorite black exploitation? I was just going to get to that. You know, this is a key film in that in that movement. And um, I haven't seen Like I said, I haven't seen that many. And I uh, sh the original Shaft is actually really good. I mean, it's a really yeah, effective Shaft crime drama. Dope. Richard Roundtree is really good. The later Shaft movies, not so much. But the first one is like I would recommend that one to anyone. Really. Yeah. And that's Gordon Parks who directed that, yes. who, you know, a skilled artist in many levels photography, poetry, writer, uh, and, uh, and as a director. Yeah. Yeah. And it's a visually, like it's a well-directed film. It's a well-written film, well-acted, all of it, you know, the opposite really of what's going on here in Dolomite. Um, and of course, you know, as Dave was saying, the music is iconic in Shaft, of course. Um, do you have a, another favorite black exploitation film, Jason? Yeah, I have a few I want to mention or a couple. First of all, Black Dynamite, which is Ooh. I won't even call it a satire or a parody because it's such a loving um, kind of send up of the genre is so hilarious. I rewatched it this week and man, it is perfect. They they pretty much nail the entire black exploitation genre and just it's crazy and wonderful and I love it. And I was thinking about this because I'm not even sure. I, I think this is a similar themes, although I don't know if it's considered black exploitation. But the harder they come with Jimmy Cliff, um, which takes place in Jamaica, so 
there's really no uh, uh, white man who's sticking it to people, but like it, he is getting it stuck to him by uh, the man nonetheless, you know, and that movie is pretty good, but it's got like maybe the greatest soundtrack that's ever been put to film. Right. Yeah, I haven't seen that, but I feel like that that could count or at least is adjacent to the genre. And I haven't seen Black uh, Black Dynamite in quite some time, but I remember finding it fun. And And speaking of those parodies. It's been even longer, but I know as a kid, as a huge fan of In Living Color, I remember watching I'm Gonna Get You Sucka, the Ooh. Wayans Brothers parody of Blaxploitation, where, I, as I was saying to Jason when we were talking about this before, like, I had no idea what Blaxploitation even was, I'm sure, when I saw that movie, but I just liked In Living Color and the Wayans, so I watched it. And Dave, that seems like something that you would really have enjoyed. Oh, yeah, I've always had in the back of my mind, if we ever do 88, that's going to be my pick. <laughs> In college, uh, I pitched a uh, movie called Johnny Valore, the world's first white exploitation hero. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and it was, which of course you could never do now. No. But again, it was a loving kind of like uh, use of this, of black exploitation as a genre and just kind of flipping it. Right. So, I mean, other than Rudy Ray Moore, none of the people in this film really went on to major careers. I mean, some of them, including. Lady Reed, Jerry Jones, uh, West Gale, who plays the preacher in this film. They show up in some of those later Rudy Ray Moore movies. And Derville Martin, who had been in some bigger films earlier than this, um, was in a few more small films. And he died young, sadly, in 1984. But really, there isn't like, as I was saying about like Lady Reed, for example, you watch this and you think there's so many interesting personalities, you would think that they could have perhaps along with Rudy Ray Moore gone on and had their own little independent film careers or whatever. And that didn't quite happen. I was reading about a high Pike, the man who played the mayor. He acted in a student film by Ray Manzarek of the doors. He was often associated with uh, improv legend Del Close. He was directed by John Milius and Ridley Scott. And of course, Dave, you'll recognize him from his work in hack o lantern <laughs> Yeah, that that sounds like a classic right there. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, he's uh, I mean, that's someone I, I wonder, you know, the white actors in this film are, are people that they just kind of, you know, maybe probably didn't really understand what exactly they were getting into when they <laughs> were hired for this film. But I think they did. I think everyone. Yeah. Did. Like, again, this is the middle of, uh, you know, the black exploitation boom and everyone, you know, we watched. Sweet, sweet back this week, Josh. You don't think those actors knew uh, they were being portrayed as the heavies? Well, not that, but maybe not quite having an understanding of Dolomite as a character or the sort of place in black culture that this character had or the success of Rudy Ray Moore's records or, you know, how they with the context of it, per se. Like, obviously, you can't give that performance and not know that you're the villain. Right. Um, I wonder where this genre goes today. Yeah, I mean, I feel like where it goes mostly is to those parodies, things like Black Dynamite, which, of course, also spawned a, an animated series. And I think you were saying, Jason, that they're looking to maybe do a sequel for it. That's what Dave was telling. The, the outlaw Johnny Black, I think it's called the the new the new uh, Michael J. White uh, comedy. Oh, is that is that a sequel to Black Dynamite or is just another comedy? It's just another one that that like, you know, plays with, you know, those kinds of, you know, movies. He's so perfect. Michael yeah, I mean, and it's it's funny because he's in these parodies, but Michael J. White is also in 
I don't know if you would call it black exploitation. B movie, B movie right. action. Yeah. Right. Exactly. He's in a ton of those movies, and and I feel like a lot of those are you know they have diverse cast. There's not you know just just for black audiences per se, but I mean he's one of the major stars of that stuff. So uh, yeah, I don't know. I mean there's certainly like low budget movies made primarily for black audiences. Um, I feel like they're less this kind of thing where they're like actiony. And they're more maybe like soap opera melodramas. There you can find tons and tons of these movies on Tubi, for example. Right. And I wonder though, because like black exploitation uh transcended audiences, right? You know, like it, right. it grew a huge audience of all types of people. So I wonder if these kind of lower budget movies that you're seeing on Tubi now will eventually get to that point. I yeah, I don't know. I mean, the, the quality of those movies is extremely low. But uh, maybe if there's one or two that are that are breaking out that actually have some artistic ambition or whatever, I think that is possible. I mean, it also took quite a while, I think, for black exploitation movies to be appreciated in that wider context. It was not as much, I think, those audiences going to see these movies in 1975. Right. And uh, it seemed like, as you mentioned in the reviews, a lot of people didn't appreciate them. Yeah. And I, I don't think it's just a black exploitation thing. I think it's also just a thing with, you know, no more monoculture, like nobody is seeing all of these random things that pop up on Tubi, like maybe a thousand people see it or something. Right. I mean, if that, I think yeah. especially like the fragmentation and the, the sheer amount, I mean, we could do a whole podcast about what kind of weird ass shit there is on Tubi in, in every niche imaginable, but Josh has seen I know I it. see these things <laughs> pop up a lot. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, the one last person I wanted to mention uh, related to this film was the cinematographer Nicholas Joseph von Sternberg, who, of course, is the son of Joseph von Sternberg, one of the famous, most famous film directors from classic Hollywood. And he did go on to have a career as a cinematographer. Um, his final credit in 2002 or 2003, rather. And I, I think he's still alive, but not working anymore. But, you know, a, lo a long career in in mostly kind of B movies and some TV movies and stuff beyond this. So, you know, getting that, seeing that Von Sternberg name in the, in the credits of this film is certainly catches your attention. Didn't catch mine. All right. Well, anyway, <laughs> it for me and I'm sure for, for, uh, you know, some other, if you, if you're familiar with old Hollywood, I think, I don't know anything about that. movies. That's why I don't no, have a movie no, podcast. That's what we've established over hundreds of episodes of this <laughs> podcast. <laughs> I'd agree. Uh, anything else on the legacy of Dolomite that you want to mention, Jason? No, you cracker ass son of a bitch. Let's move on. All right, let's do it. That is Dolomite. And that is this episode of Awesome Movie Year. You can uh, rhyme at us online and on social media. Sure. Why not? We're at uh, awesomemovieyear.com, Awesome Movie Year on Facebook and Instagram, Awesome Movie Pod on Twitter. I'm Jason Harris Comedy or Jay Harris Comedy on all the socials. Eat this comedy still is thing and go for Jason on Letterboxd. You can check me out at uh, joshbellhateseverything.com. Some older stuff there. Josh Bell Hates Everything on Facebook and at uh, Signal Bleed on Twitter and at Signal Bleed on Letterboxd. And listen to our producer, David Rosen's awesome podcast, Piecing It Together. Check out Piecing It Together wherever you listen up podcasts. And you can find that episode on Dolomite Is My Name that Josh was on where ever you are listening to piecing it together and also check out my letterbox by david rosen jason what do we have in our next episode josh it's the cult classic and maybe it's the most cult classic classic cult film that there is let's all do the time warp baby we're going to see the rocky horror picture show 
So tune in next time for the Rocky Horror Picture Show. And thanks for listening to Awesome Movie Year. Thank you for listening to Awesome Movie Year. Make sure to follow Awesome Movie Year on Facebook, at Awesome Movie Pod on Twitter, and at Awesome Movie Year on Instagram. And if you like the show, review us and rate us with five stars on Apple Podcasts. An All Points West production, produced by David Rosen in Las Vegas.